Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. Hallelujah. Let's look at two scriptures to begin with this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and John 17. 2021, the year of eternal life. And our subtitle right now is Understanding Our Assignment. So let's look at this scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2. One that's familiar to a lot of people, especially those who have made it their business to to pray and intercede for others. Some other wonderful things in this scripture, though. First Timothy two, beginning with verse one, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Of course, we know, if you've been around for a while, that one of the things that the Lord asks us to do as his people is to pray for all men and to pray especially for those who are in authority, those who lead. And that is our responsibility. That is an exhortation that comes from God that we do that. And of course, the blessing that God says that he will give to us is that we will live quiet, peaceable, godly and honest lives. It's a good outcome from that. Amen. But now I find it interesting here that God wills for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, notice, not just for all men to be saved or to have life, but also to come to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord is not just interested in people getting a ticket to get into heaven. But while they're here, he wants development. Hallelujah. Now, that escapes the, uh, the sight of a lot of people. <laughs> Development. So once we receive life, we're not just, you with me? <laughs> yeah, I got it. And I'm just going and doing whatever. Uh, after receiving life comes the process of developing in that life, growing in that life, understanding how to express that life. Hallelujah. So that needs not to be overlooked. So when... The, the ministry gifts of God encourage us to grow up in the things of the Lord. Uh, we don't want to shirk that responsibility or treat it like it's light. There's a balance to this scale where the Lord is concerned. We have receiving life and then growing in the knowledge of the truth of that life. Now, there's also something else interesting here, that, and we're going to look at it a little bit more later. But we find here the scripture tells us that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Very important. It's so important that the church has to understand, and I know in theory that many people know this, but in the depths of what God is saying here, we really need to understand that God became a man. 
the man, Christ Jesus. Because that means everything where our redemption is concerned. That is deep, man, <laughs> where our redemption is concerned, understanding that this is the man, Christ Jesus. Say this with me, please. The man, Christ Jesus. Now, there are people that will stumble over saying that, but it's right there in the Bible. <laughs> the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified, talked about, blazed abroad <laughs> in due time. Well, due time is always whenever you're talking to somebody that needs to know. Hallelujah. All right, John 17, verses 2 through 3. This is an important scripture because Jesus gives us his definition. And if it's his definition, then it's the Father's definition of eternal life. From verse 2, he says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How will we know God? We'll know him through his life, for in his life is everything that he is. Amen. Now, we're talking about the assignment that we have as God's people. A vital part of our assignment is to foster a platform of unity for both the church and our nation. It's our responsibility as believers. And so we should be hustling, doing what we can in our lives to promote or foster unity or oneness, not only in the church, but also in the world. In a nation like we live in called America, and what we are supposed to be walking in and having as believers and people on this land, it is so important. Now, why would it not be important? Guys, we've been through the book of Daniel. We looked at a scripture here in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that tells us how important it is for us to pray for kings and all who are in authority because that has a lot to do with what will happen in our nation and also the kind of life that we'll be able to live. So it is, it's not a side issue for the saints of God in whatever nation they're in to put aside what goes on in government and, you know, in, in what's supposed to happen where ruling on the land is concerned. It's not a side issue. Somebody would say, you know, well, you know, preacher, you should just preach the word. Well, when we talk about preaching the word, we're talking about making sure that we have peaceable, quiet, godly, and honest lives as people on the land that we live in, whether it's America or anywhere else. There are a lot of nations that don't know what we know, don't know what we're talking, the little bit that we're talking about right now. They're nations that don't have a clue. But we have something that was invested in us and given to us that we should appreciate so much that we're willing to stand and fight for it. I don't want to be a slave. Uh, thank you. I, I don't want to have to, you know, hide my Bible. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but you know how it is. You know what I'm trying to say. You know, I don't want to have to be in a position where I can't be just walking up and down the street with this and not, and, and not feel like I'm threatened because I have my Bible out, or I'm standing up and teaching and preaching. I'm going to do it anyway in Jesus' name. But you understand what I'm saying? Believers don't need to feel 
that they've got to look over their shoulder because the government's coming after them because they're standing for Jesus. So it's important. We don't want to be driven underground like churches are in many nations. Hey, hello? I mean, I'm, I think this is important. <laughs> All right? So, you know, we, we have the responsibility for fostering a spirit of unity in the church and also for our nation. Now, the only way that this can be done on either side, either side of the coin, is by grasping what is priority and saying the same thing in our fellowship. We have to find and adopt a common agenda. This has been one of the things that has been so hard for mankind over the ages. It's to find a common agenda. I mean, the, the, the cats that dealt with the Tower of Babel, ungodly people, give us an example. <laughs> what we should be doing, man. I mean, they got together and had one mind, one goal, one vision. And they were so in unity that God had to say, hey, we got to go check these cats out and see what they're doing. And since what they're, what they're doing is not right, you know what we got to do? We got to confound their speech. We got to get them off of the same page of talking the same way. <laughs> That's what God said we got to do, because if we don't do that, they can do anything they want to do. They'll get anything done, anything. Anything. The Lord said that himself. Wow, man. So we, we got to get lessons from the heathen. <laughs> We can do anything if we get on the same page. Now, it's quite interesting because the big deal with them was that they were saying the same thing. Okay. So, the common agenda for our nation must be our rallying around paragraph one of the Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights. The common agenda for the church must be our rallying around three primary things. Not a whole lot. One, two, three. Uno, dos, tres. Un, deux, trois. <laughs> Come on. You got a language, you know, help it out. Three things. Who we, whose we are, understanding who we belong to. Number two, understanding who we are. And in three, why we're here. Now, there's so many other things that we get off into that don't carry any weight. Nice things, okay things, but they don't carry the weight necessary for us to accomplish stuff for the Lord or for our nation. I mean, if we put it together for us, the church, we're looking at five basic things that if we dealt with them and got on the same page with them, 
It would be amazing what would happen in the church and on our land. And then we start standing up as representatives of both God and our nation before the people and encouraging people to flow into this same thing. So I said, I don't see how you come up when you can say this that simple. Well, why don't we just keep looking at the scriptures? Because with all the things that we could look at, there's so many things that people get to fighting over and they get to thinking that their little deal is the most important deal. Why don't we first find out what's important in the eyes and the heart of the Father? That'll solve all the issues. And then we'll, we, we will have a platform for men to stop promoting themselves and thinking that we're all that. <laughs> you know? And let God be God through us and we all can rejoice together that we have the mind of Christ. That's what should be what we want. It'll mean that we'll have to dump our pride and dump our self-sufficiency just drop it, dig a hole, bury it, cover it up so it don't smell. <laughs> so now, we started out with looking at whose we are. This is a very important thing. Because as believers, once we understand, really understand whose we are, then we realize we're not our own, and so we don't, we don't strive for our own agenda. We don't strive to try to make it all about us in our own minds. You know, we don't want to become legends in our own minds. It's worthless. So we've got to understand that we belong to God. Now, this is not an easy thing initially for most believers because and most of us are so accustomed to thinking however we want to think, doing whatever we want to do, acting however we want to act, spending whatever we want to spend, doing, talking however we want to talk, treating people however we want to treat them because of our feelings. And so we, 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 it's hard to kind of grasp this until you sink into it and say, you know what, I'm going to get this. And I'm going to realize that redemption has made some statements, and that is the fact that I have been bought with a price so I am to glorify God in my body and in my spirit because they belong to who? To God. One of the most important things is to realize that I've been bought with a price. If I've been bought with a price, if I've been purchased, then that means I don't belong to me. I belong to whoever paid the price for me. My Bible tells me, your Bible tells you, our Bibles tell us that we were bought, 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 tells us, in chapter 1 tells us that we have been bought by the, we, we weren't redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but we've been purchased or bought, redeemed by the precious blood. Blood was the price that was paid for our redemption. And so when I come to the Lord, it is an automatic that I should understand that I don't belong to myself or anybody else or the devil no more. I belong to the one who purchased me. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to make you live a boring life. You can't do nothing, can't make any decisions. You just sit in the chair, I don't know, with a robe or a collar on and just sweat and wait for him to tell you to go to Timbuktu, which you don't want to go there, 
But you, and you're scared to, to be, you know, say, I'm going to obey him because you think he's going to tell you to do something you don't want to do. He's not like that. <laughs> you, did you know that that's one of the things when we talk, when believers talk about things like this, that that's one of the things that becomes intimidating to a lot of believers because they think, man, if I, I'm going to give myself all totally over to God, then he's going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> Why do we treat him like that? Why do we think he's some kind of daddy that just wants to be hard on us? Why do people think like that? I don't know. Can you tell me? I don't know. Fear. Yeah, fear. And the enemy promotes that fear, which is why it becomes a challenge for a lot of people to just say, hey, Lord, here I am. You know, we have this, this, this crazy concept in our minds that God is some kind of taskmaster. He's not that way. If you are a proper dad or mom where your children are concerned, you're not going to be a hard taskmaster, are you? You want the best for your babies. Just if your heart is right, just think about the kind of dad or mom that you want to be to your children. And then you just multiply that exponentially, and that'll let you know where the Heavenly Father's coming from. Wow. I am most proud of the fact that I have three great children. And you know what, what comes, what, what, when I think about this, one of the things that comes to my mind, right to the forefront of it, is that when they started growing up, they started giving back. Oil oh, boy. And to understand that that's the kind of relationship we're supposed to have with our Heavenly Father. That's one reason why it's important to grow up, because you start realizing, wow, look what was done for me. So in my appreciation and respect and honor, I want to give back. So many of our songs, so many of our, our sermons, our messages, all about what the Lord can do for me. So much of it, Lord, Lord, you'll never leave me by myself. You're always there for me. Why don't we make more songs about, Lord, I'm here for you? Oh, what a revelation. <laughs> Lord, I want to give something back to you. What can I do for you? How can I make you happy? What can I do to bless you? What can I do to flow with you? See, I know this is exciting. Hallelujah. <laughs> How much of the church thinks like this? If, 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 if much of the church thought like this, the atmosphere wouldn't have to be changing now. The atmosphere would have been changed. Because we'd be releasing life all over the place, just saying, Lord, I appreciate you. So you know what? I'm the light of the world. And you told Jesus he was the light of the world, and then Jesus told me that I'm the light of the world. You know what? I'm going to spend as much time as I can shining and glowing so that people can do what? See my good works and glorify. Uh-oh, come on now. <laughs> So we're talking about, like, like, you're talking about maturity. My daughter used that scripture in James. Hey, that's part of it. 
Because we don't want people seeing carnality. I hope not. <laughs> but we want them to be able to see the God who lives inside of us and has given life for us and put life inside of us so that we could put him on display. And see, when we decide to do that, well, he's going to look out for you. He'll look out for us. That, that is not even supposed to be a worry in our lives. Why? Because if he can't take care of what he purchased, something wrong. <laughs> Hello? That means he got a defect. <laughs> well, shalom, shalom, hallelujah. So we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The Lord seeks true worshipers. And we must understand that this worship consists of obedience and voluntary ministry and service to the Lord. So important to understand what true worship is. This is wonderful when we lift our hands and lift our voices. It's wonderful when we praise and, as we say, worship the Lord. But what kind of life am I living that shows that I am a true worshiper? Because true worship actually is obedience to the Lord, and voluntary, say voluntary, please. Voluntary. You know what voluntary is, right? Yeah. That means you just step to the front and say, you know, I am. They don't have to come looking for you, hiding under your bed, locking yourself in your safe because you're trying to hide from him. Or like Adam was trying to hide in the Garden of Eden and he made him his own, you know, little skirt. And then he was hiding in the garden like God couldn't find him. But anyway, you know, you don't have to hide from him. See, true worship is also what people call holiness. And holiness is not this thing where nobody can see any part of your body but your eyes, nose, mouth, and your hand. <laughs> that ain't it. What holiness is, is very simply being like the Lord. When God said, be holy because I'm holy, that's what he was saying, just be like me. And so our obedience comes to where we say, you know what, Lord, I just want to be like you. So we start searching the word and searching God's heart, and we start figuring out what it means to live a life just like the Lord would live. Isn't that simple? Wow. Hallelujah. So now, who we are must be recognized both individually and collectively. Who we each are in Christ and who we are collectively as the body of Christ. So now as we step into this second one, who we are. This is important. It's very, very important. I remember as I was coming along, as a, as, a, as a believer, and when I started understanding this, and I remember some messages that we preached back in 1998. We did a series of teachings, identification made clear. And I, I you know, and building up to that, I started realizing, you know what, the, re the only, the reason that we have issues as men and women is because 
we don't understand who God made us to be. And then I started to understand that the way that nations were formed and the way people, uh, you know, rulers ruled and systems that were set up in the earth to enslave people and where those who were ungodly in their ruling wanted to put some kind of tag of identification on you that would make you a slave, this stuff started becoming even more clear to me. Everything is hinged on an understanding of who we really are, who God meant for us to be. So important. It is in everything. If I understand who I am, I don't have to fight with you and strive for you to, for some kind of position in life. If I understand who God says I am, then there, that's my security. Hello? Insecurity comes from not understanding who you are. In the eyes of God. Oh, we should say, in the eyes of God. Remember who you are. There you go. He sees you as his own. Pleases him to know that you remember who you are. Mm -hmm. It's his name you wear, my child. Remember who you are. He's, this is what he's talking to us about. It is important that the children understand who dad and mom say they are. And that when they speak those good things into their lives, they hear. See, this is why a lot of people now, as they've grown up, they have issues in their lives with consistency or whatever because they had a mom and a dad or a dad or a mom or a combination, whatever, speak things into or over their lives that messed what their minds and destroyed, did not give them the image that they should have on the inside of themselves. There are a lot of people who are the result of that, and then they got to dig and claw their way out of that because of those ugly things being sown into their consciences from when they were yay high. Some of them when they were already, when they were in the womb. What am I having this kid for? Man, I shouldn't have had sex with that dude. I shouldn't have laid him. Man, I, know I got me a baby. And I, you know what? You're going to slow my life down. Man, you know, I was on my way to something good. And now, look. And now, you got that running through your veins and speaking it out of your mouth. And it's become a part of the consciousness of that child. And then they come out and they still hear curses coming from the one who's supposed to be speaking blessing into their lives. You don't think the enemy understands that? That's why he tries to set things like that up. That's exactly why. And if he can especially mess it up and destroy it in the infant stages, when whoever grows up, Man, it's going to be, you're going to have to bust down strongholds to break that stuff up and then get interjected into their hearts and minds the right stuff. In a nutshell, that's why we have the challenges in planet Earth that we have where men are concerned. 
Now, in the church, we should understand the ministry gifts especially should understand that that's the major thing we're dealing with, with mankind. And so because of that, what we should be doing is going about doing stuff to change that. To start putting word out and things out that are going to challenge people to see themselves through a different side of, set of eyes, which are the eyes of the Father. Boy, and I tell you, once you start getting a God's eye view of yourself, stuff may not change immediately on the outside, but let me tell you what, stuff starts changing on the inside, and boy, that's like Brother Coleman said, you start feeling like you can eat nails and drink gunpowder soup. Something starts changing on the inside. You start seeing things different on the inside. That's why, folks, this stuff, we got to lock into it. Every believer's got to lock into it. There's nothing more important than what God says about you and me. Because that's going to shape everything else in me and what comes out of me and who I am to the universe. Not just the world, to the universe. It's big stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, we, this, is, this is twofold, but what we're going to do, we're gonna, we want to look at ourselves individually first. This is some very, very important stuff. We do have to understand that there's a way that God sees the whole body of Christ. And we got to see that as well. The church as a whole has to see that. Okay, so now let's, let's, let's start with, with, with us here individually. This is God to go, God. The scripture that we looked at in 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6. This is why it's so important for us to, first of all, understand that when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the man Christ Jesus. I'm going to put some things together this morning that will make a whole lot of sense. This has made what, 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 what we're talking about and not understanding, what we're talking about right now, and the whole church not having the understanding that it should have is one of the reasons why the Christian faith has been so hard for the world to understand. Because there's no, they, they, they can't find a connection. But once you figure out and understand that God became a man, and then start putting together all that has to do with him being a man, it's like this becomes easy. People get all hooked up and jacked up over the Trinity and all that kind of stuff, and their believers don't even know how to break it down. Because they don't understand this thing right here, God becoming a man. So, He's the man, Christ Jesus. Let's look at Hebrews 10 and 1 Corinthians 15. There's a couple of good scriptures that go along with that first one from 1 Timothy 2. This is one of these things that, like, it's, it's right there in the scriptures, but it's easy to read over and can be just glazed over. I mean, it's, it's just... Some things in the scripture are so subtle that you only catch them by being sensitive to divine life. Hebrews 10, verses 12 through 14. Notice it says, but this man, 
after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, my, my, my. By one offering has he perfected forever them that are sanctified. God always talks the end from the beginning. And he always talks about things also in the light of the finished work of Christ. It's not going to take any more offerings for you and I to be perfected. Not even your own offerings out of a guilty conscience trying to appease God because you did wrong. That won't work here. Come on, come on. We all know about that. We've we all been there. I'm going to do enough good and then God will accept me. Uh-uh, no, it doesn't work like that. You've already been perfected, already been sanctified, already been set apart. That's the lawful side of it. It's done. Can't be undone. It doesn't matter how you're acting. That can't be undone. What has to happen is I got to get in line with what's been lawfully done, so I start acting that way. It's the key to understanding all this stuff. This stuff has already been done. So now, 1 Corinthians 15. Forty-five through forty-seven. Everybody good? Okay. And so it is written: the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening or a life-giving spirit. How be it that how be it that which was first, which is how be it that was not <laughs> first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Now I'm just the, the point is Jesus became a man. He is God, but he became a man. And he became a man for a particular purpose. All right. Now, Jesus was our substitute. Somebody said, I know this. I know this, Pastor. I know this. Okay, okay. Well, maybe somebody else online doesn't know this. All right. <laughs> he became our substitute. What he did is he made a trade. He took our sin so we could have his righteousness. Now, listen, there's a man. This is a man that did this. He took our sin, gave us his righteousness. Isn't that right? All right. Romans 4, 24 and 25. Hallelujah. Let's, let's start with verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him 
that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for or because of our offenses and was raised again because of our justification. Raised because of our justification. Now think about it. He was raised because of our justification. So now, now notice, <laughs> when he was raised, how should I put this? See, he represented us. And when he was justified, in reality, all mankind was justified. Because a man was the representative for all men. <laughs> Who is saying in New York, this cat was bad? I mean, to be able to pull that kind of weight and take care of the whole world. Now, we have to realize that even, even though that happened, what has to happen is that Every man is going to have to walk in the steps of, of the faith of Abraham. They're going to have to receive that, believe and receive. It's not just going to be an automatic that you get it. It's there for you. It's a fact. But you have to individually receive it. So he was delivered for our offenses and raised again. When he paid the price for man, because it was a man, then that means the door was open again for the Garden of Eden it's open again. Like, okay, here we are. Here we got Adam again. We've got men everywhere. You can get right back into what was lost and what was forfeited. And anybody can get in. All you got to do is do what the man said. Like Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he sent. That's the work. It's not all this other toil. That work is to believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now we also have 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Familiar scriptures, I know. But see, this is like I was sharing with you a couple of weeks ago. Maybe in last week. This is what we have to do in order for these things to become real to us. We got to stick with them, and we got to go over and over and rehearse them and feed on them. Because let me tell you, I don't know how, where you are, but I know where I am. This stuff never gets old. It never gets old. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5 from verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. I'll just check that out for a moment. Little side issue for a moment. Don't lose everything else. God was in Christ. That's why I mean in Christ is so important. He was the first one. <laughs> If, if he was the first one and he set the tone and set the pace, what would make you and I think that being in Christ is not the most important issue? Good God Almighty. He's 
God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, so he took our place on that end so we could have his righteousness. Someone called it the great exchange. <laughs> but this is what he did. He said, I'm going to take what you have, who you are, all that mess. I'm going to take it. I'm going to absorb it. But yet my righteousness and the fact that I never, never, ever missed the mark, it's going to stand. It's going to stand the judgment of God. And guess what? After this whole thing is over and I paid your price and life is given to me again, guess what? I'm going to give you something that I have myself. I'm going to give you my righteousness. And then I'm going to see to it that in your spirit, in your enemy, that's who you become. So not only will you have a standing before the Father that is righteous, but you have a nature that is righteous. Now, when we look at Jesus, and this is how he has to be represented, everything that he did, he did for man. He did not do anything for himself. He didn't need to go through all that for himself. He didn't need to get authority from the devil for himself. He didn't need to get eternal life for himself. He had, where was he at before he came to this earth? Come on now. Hey, he didn't need a thing by doing what he did, except to be able to have a family for his father. So everything he did, he did for you and me, for us, for mankind. Now, there's a, there's a portion of this scripture I want to read from uh, J.W.C. Wan, verses 18 and 19 of 2 Corinthians 5. You ready? Okay. But everything comes from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has committed to me the ministry of reconciliation. Now listen to this real carefully. That ministry is based on the fact that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, wiping out the debit balance of our transgressions and setting his reconciliation to the credit of our account. Boy, come on now. Come on, boy. So whatever we owed God, he wiped it out. And what he did, he didn't do for himself, but he did it for us. So with his, his being strong enough to get it done, he said, now guess what? It's going to be treated in, throughout all eternity that you did it. <laughs> it's going because I am the representative man. So when I represented you, I wasn't just there by myself. You were there, too, because I'm representing you. Oh, God, this just opens up everything. This is why every believer has got to get this, because it opens up everything else. 
That's right. Why would he say, Paul said, I was crucified with Christ? <laughs> Come on. As far as we know, Paul wasn't nowhere near that cross at the time, and he certainly wasn't on that cross with Jesus, personally himself, in the flesh. But because the representative man was there, that's why he could say, I was crucified with Christ. <laughs> so <laughs> he wiped it all out. He wiped all, 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 we were in the red with God, deep in the red. <laughs> deep, 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 deep in the red. With no hope of getting out on our own. Absolutely none. You think uh, 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 the United States Corporation has this great big, all these trillions of debt, and you think that's big? It ain't as big as the debt that man owed God because of Adam's treason. But he said, I wiped it out, and then I'm treating it in eternity as if you did it. Every single one of us. He said, you did it. That's why you can get up in the devil's face. Remember them? Remember them? Them, 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 them cats were trying to cast the devils out? And they said, them demons said, now, uh-oh, who said that? He said, what'd you say? He said, Jesus, I know. He said, Paul, I know. Oh, I know. I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who are you? In other words, you're unauthorized because you're not in Christ. <laughs> but if you are in him, you have just as much authority as Jesus. As a matter of fact, we're all going to look just like him in the spirit, and especially when we start vitally walking it out. Boy, 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 boy. See, folks, listen to me. Somebody might need this today. There is no need for any believer to live a life of guilt, condemnation, weakness, failure, to have a bad self-image. There's no need to put up with that. No need to feel insufficient, insecure. There's no need. All that's been taken care of. It wouldn't matter if you cussed somebody out five minutes before you came into this church. <laughs> and you knew you were coming to church. And you knew what you was going to hear was going to be righteous. He said, oh, no, Father, go on there or not. But, oh, wait, wait, wait. Look what the Lord did for you. All you got to do is partake of what he did, partake of his blood. <laughs> Thank you, Father. And learn not to miss a stride. Keep feeding and eating on what God says about you. Listen, well, my people might just go ahead and do whatever they want to just keep. No, no, that's not what that promotes. If you really and truly understand that and want that, you're not going to be one who's just going to want to take advantage of the grace of God. You're going to do everything that you can to live in what he's done for you. Amen, somebody. Now, 
what, what is important to a believer, and this is what we're going to finish today. What's important to a believer is to understand the simplest, easiest, bestest way <laughs> to start having your mind renewed to who God says you are in Christ. Years ago, what the Lord, the, what the, 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 the phrase the Lord gave me for this is the pathway of redemption. In this pathway, it, here's what we do. You, you remember, some of you, that there were times that we talked about this, and I would take somebody by the arm and would walk with them up and down. My, my friend, let's go ahead. Reagan, we stand up for you. Let's, let's, let's go. You, you knew it, didn't you? See, you must be led by the Holy Ghost, don't you? Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to come, let's come to the front first. Yeah. Now, just, just do this. All right. Now, just, I'm going to walk. All right. Now, try to stop. Okay, now I'm going to go this way. Okay, so now wherever I go, if she stays connected, wherever I go, <laughs> she's going. No, I'm not going to make it preach. Okay, not yet. Okay. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> but so now she's, but now is she, she's what? With me, okay? So wherever I go, she's with me. Thank, thank you very much, I appreciate that. <laughs> so now, when we look at what the scriptures, the new covenant scriptures tell us about what happened to us with Christ, what that is there for is to mark our minds and consciences and help us renew our minds to who God says we are. When we see the scriptures that tell us that all through this pathway of redemption, this is why we have to understand that Jesus is a man. He came as a man and was our representative as a man. So when he, he this, this process, and he walks this pathway, every time we see him taking a step like on the crucifixion, okay? He was crucified, right? But what happened? Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I was crucified with him. When he went to the cross, I died there with him. All right? I died with him. With him. See, with Christ and with him, what every believer should do and be encouraged to do is to look this stuff up as a matter of fact, I got something for you before you leave here today. It'll help you if you want to have it and take it with you. It'll be wonderful. Because what it is, a sheet that I did a long time ago. It's got all this with, with Christ stuff on it and some scriptures there. So it gets people a head start on it to where they don't have to scrape it out on their own, but you can start with something right there that's going to help you. And then you just play the rest of it out your own self. We died with him. We're buried with him. Romans 6 tells us all about it. Romans 6 is one of the most important chapters in the New Testament. One of the most important chapters in the New Testament. So we're buried with him. 
We were given, oh, we were given life together with him. We were quickened with him. All right, given life. No, this is Zoe we're talking about. We were given life together with him after he paid the price because he became who we were. When he had, and that was done, he, he was given life. And so when he was given life, I was given life. We conquered with him. We were raised and seated together with him, raised up together, made to sit together with him in heavenly places. Huh. That's where he is. That's where I am. That's where you are. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Oh, with. <laughs> Our lives are hidden with him. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So whatever his inheritance was from the Father, it's mine. Pure. We have all things freely, given all things freely with him. Romans 8 tells us that. In glory we shall appear with him, and we shall reign with him. So everywhere that he went and everywhere that he goes, whatever he be doing, Now, folks, that, the, 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 the major purpose for that is the renewing of our minds. So you understand the family that you're in. We understand who we are. And when, we get a, when, when a believer gets a grip on that, whatever name anybody else calls you just rolls off your back like water, water down our duck's back. It just rolls right on off you. That's it. Ah, you a slave. Who, what? You kidding me? I'm a servant of God. But you put that tag on me, I don't receive it. Oh, you're no good. Uh, you must be talking to something. I don't know what you're talking to. You ain't talking to me. Oh, you're ugly. Uh, we don't answer to that. <laughs> you must be talking to something in the air somewhere. No. And so, people can't put you down. <laughs> people can't make you feel insecure. The devil can't take advantage of you and tell you you're a useless nobody. Those shoes don't fit anymore. They don't fit anymore. So don't wear them anymore, ever again. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to back up. I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to be done. This is the reason why this stuff, you cannot get this and just, you know, come to church and, oh, that was good. That was a good message, Pastor. And then let it slide for three weeks. No, when you get, matter of fact, on your way home, some scriptures should be rolling around in your mind. And then on a daily basis, these things need to be coming into your consciousness some way or the other through your eyes and your ears. Some way or another, you need to be rehearsing these things. And there are other things that are going on, but these things should be rehearsed. We never get too old, too big, or too mature to put these things to the side. Never. And that's been the challenge with some ministers and preachers that have started out with this. 
And they think, okay, I did that, I got that, that's it. No, no, it don't work that way. This is the diet that we have to have every day of our lives. Because if not, your mind will float, it will drift, and you will be like that guy that James talked about. You looked into the perfect law of liberty, but you were forgetful hearer and not a doer. So you forgot who you are. You walked away from the mirror, from the glass, and forgot who you are. We have to stay in that glass. And notice 2 Corinthians 3 will tell us we're looking into the face of our master when we look into that glass. With that, we're looking at him, and when we look at him, we're seeing ourselves. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your words. Thank you for what you've done for us. We love you for it. We appreciate it. Thank you for helping us as we develop in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.